Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you for your meditations today. Very uh, timely. Our lesson today is from Hebrews chapter 10. We'd like to welcome uh, everyone to the uh, the assembly here. Those that are especially those listening uh, via the internet and uh, talk show and. Um, in that fashion, whether it be on Sunday or later on. This is what we do, and we've been going through Hebrews, and um, as I was told when I was considering this, that Hebrews, the, the subject of Hebrews is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and it's, it's all about him. It's the, his position, his true position within, number one, the lives of the Jewish people uh, that were alive in uh, 2,000 years ago that had uh, uh, believed in him and become Christians uh, according to the uh, gospel preached by the apostles. And this was a great help to them to discern between Jesus and all the other things that had come before. Not that those things that had come before were in any way wrong, but they were not the fulfillment of God's promise. They were on the road to. As Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the, the old covenant was the road to. It was the destination was the Messiah of God. And the promise given to Abraham of sonship for the people of faith. So the 10th chapter of Hebrew of the Hebrew letters, uh, Hebrew letter is a wonderful treatise on the superior nature of Jesus Christ and the new covenant that he purchased in his blood. Superior nature. This is what Christianity must come to uh, regardless of the grandeur of history and of the uh, all that came before, this is superior. And all of this is done that we would be able to bring the sons of Israel and the Gentile believers the true coming of good things in his name. I think we can praise God for his love towards mankind. Now, the comparisons. Chapter 10. Uh, let's just look at the first four verses uh, to get... It, it defines uh, what we're going to be doing here pretty, pretty good. <clears throat> so the writer of Hebrews starts off with, For the law 
which was, is the old covenant, basically. It's called the law, but it's the law and the prophets and all that there was uh, that had been given to uh, Abraham, Moses, and, and all the prophets. For the law having a shadow of the about to be coming of good things. That's what the Greek says. Not the very image of the matters every year by the same sacrifices that they offered continually is never able to make perfect those coming near. Since they would have not have ceased to be offered because of those serving having no more conscience of sin having once been purified. But in those sacrifices is a remembrance of sins every year. For it is impossible for blood, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So I hope you grasp the, the, the meaning here. Uh, the, these old covenant sacrifices they had their place. They had their place. But what say in verse 1? They were never able to make perfect those coming near. And, th- and they knew that. that was, this isn't something revealed like we fooled you for uh, 1,600 years. No. They knew they had an understanding of this. But here's the logic of it. If these things would have made perfect those coming near, would have removed their sins, why would they continue in it? There would be no more conscience of sins, and they would not go once again to do so again and again and again. I mean, how many times? How many times a day? You know, you can see how it become madness, you know, before it's over. They had to look at it the proper way, and, and many did. But within those practices, the Old Testament sacrifices, there was a remembrance of sins every year, year by year. Yes, they they saw the scapegoat go and take it away out into the desert, which was was a shadow, a shadow of the reality. The reality was the, the huge kingdom that was coming. And that shadow... In that shadow, they saw the scapegoat go out and go into the desert and take those things away from them. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. I think that says it pretty much. Now, in that verse 1, the shadow of the coming good things, my scripture says, the the scripture is very clear there in, in the Greek. It's, it is of the about to come good things. This is a time statement. What was about to come? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was about to come and those good things, salvation being the most important, the reconciliation of man back to God through Jesus Christ and through the blood sacrifice of Christ once for all. Once for all. We don't go back. We, what we do is have remembrance of. 
remembrance the death it took the blood that was needed to forgive sin remember last week without the shedding of blood there is no remitting of sins that's God's principle it's not ours that's God's but now it is ours and we must accept it so the about to come that's a time statement that we have to understand that we're not waiting for the kingdom. We're not waiting for the about to come good things. Not in this sense. We're awaiting in these bodies 2,000 years later, we're awaiting that time that we will stand before the Lord. We're awaiting that. Uh, and We dealt with that last week too at the very last verse of chapter, 20, uh, chapter 9. We know it's there. We know that our travels are from here to there. Now, I can't measure that in the distance, and I don't even know which direction it is. But when we put off this tent, that's where we are. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It says that somewhere in the Bible. And it's still true. By the way, that time statement's in the present tense. So that was an, the concept was that this is an action that's occurring. Verse, uh, verses 2 through 4 is the logical look at the blood of the bulls and goats and what it was for. It could never take away sin because if it could have, why would the Son of God need to come, be born of the Virgin, become a man a Jewish man under the law, sinless and crucified on the cross that his blood would be used to forgive the sin that God required blood to forgive sin. That's God's requirement. It's not ours. It's his. And, and we either accept it or not. If you don't accept that, then, you, then you'll have to talk to God about it at a further a date down the road. I wouldn't suggest that, I don't think you're going to be able to prepare for that argument, though, in any real way. And I hope you don't need to take notes uh, with you because that might not be allowed. Nonetheless, I'm being facetious, but this is God, these are God's terms. You see, as uh, Americans, being the most... Uh, well, they used to be the most arrogant. I don't know what we are now, but we just don't like to be told anything. Well, I'm telling you something. As a Christian, we're told some things, and we better go along with it, um, or else we're going to jeopardize our position in Christ. Jesus Christ is the true sacrifice for sin. It's in his blood. And you know, the fact is, no one really debates this truth in, in, in Christendom. I mean, I, I really have never read anything from any group that would debate the, that the blood of Christ is not, well, I'm not going to say sufficient, because some have other requirements that go along with it, but most feel it's sufficient for the sin issue. Now, that should solve the problem, but the real problem is no one 
is willing to apply the blood of Christ in the way that God has required. That's what the apostolic message was for. Go out and tell the good news. Preach it. In the name of Christ, show that he is the resurrected Messiah, the anointed one of God, that his blood forgave sin. But how do we apply the blood of Christ? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not voting whether or not a person's really a Christian or not by putting marbles in a jar or some other method uh, that you feel internally you're saved or you're not or whatever it is. No, no, there's God's way. That's why I'm trying to emphasize this. God has a way. His pattern of salvation, his terms of pardon, obeying the gospel, that is the key to contacting the blood of Christ. Now, we can't physically contact it, but that's not necessary. It never was an issue. Matter of fact, if you'll go to the Vatican, I believe, there's a picture of the cross. It's not a cross, it's a tree, I think. Jesus is on a tree, hanging from a tree, and his blood is going down into the ground, all the way down to Sheol, as they call it, and and forward and backwards it's going, in a figurative way, to everyone which is a good concept. Um, and, and, and you can see why, you know, this is a, a, it makes a good word picture, if you will. Um, but the scripture, we have the scripture. We don't have a painting. A painting's not going to help us much. The scripture does. It tells us. We, we, when we are uh, immersed into Christ, we become a new creation in Christ and we contact the blood of forgiveness. Being in Christ is being covered by the blood as a white garment, as the Bible talks about. So that's where we're at. And let's look at verses 5 through 11 here. As it continues on in this, this understanding. Wherefore, it says, coming into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not will, and a, and a body thou didst prepare for me. By the way, these are Old Testament passages being repeated here. Verse 6, In burnt offerings and concerning sin offerings thou didst not delight. Then he said, Lo, I come. In a volume of the book, it hath been written concerning me to do, O God, thy will. Now, of course, this, these are the thoughts of the Messiah. Saying above, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and concerning sin offerings that thou didst not will nor delight in, which according to the law are offered. Then he said, Lo, I come to do, O God, thy will. He doth take away the first, that the second may be established. Now that first and second is the first covenant to bring in the new covenant. 
God said, I must take away the first to bring in the second. Verse 10. In the which will we are having been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. Verse 11. And, and every priest indeed hath stood daily serving and the same sacrifices many times offered that are never able to take away the sins. Now you see, there's the comparison. The comparison is the blood of Christ to the sacrifices performed by the, the priests, the high priest of Israel throughout the many, many years that they were, they were done. Let's look at, um, first let's go to the Old Testament. Psalm 40 verses 6 through 8. And then we'll also go to a, a passage in Mark. Psalm 40, 6 through 8. Sacrifice and present thou hast not desired. Ears thou hast prepared for me, burnt and sin offering thou hast not asked. Then said I, Lo, I have come in the roll of the book it is written of me. To do thy pleasure, my God, I have delighted, and thy law is within my heart. And it goes on and on in that vein. Now let's look at, um, let's look at another passage here. Mark 12, verse 28 and uh, following. Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes, this uh, during the ministry of Jesus, one of the scribes comes to Jesus and uh, asks a question. By the way, this is right after Jesus describes the issue of God is not the God of the dead, but, the, but a God of the living. And that, this man heard that. He heard Jesus comment that. So this man speaks up. And one of the scribes having come near, having heard them disputing, knowing that he answered them well, question him. Which is the first commandment of all? In other words, he's questioning Jesus here. 29, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commands is, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God out of all thy heart, and out of thy soul, and out of all thine understanding, and out of all thine strength, this is the first command. And the second is like unto it this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Greater than these there is no other command. And the scribe said to him, Well, teacher, in truth thou hast spoken, that there is one God, and there is none other but He, and to love Him out of all the heart, and out of all the understanding, and out of all the soul, and out of all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and the sacrifices. You see how this is, the truth of these things? Verse 34 is really key here. And Jesus, having seen him that he answered with understanding, said to him, Thou art not far 
from the reign of God, and no one anymore durst question him. (laughs) That was kind of a full teaching right there. They didn't need any more answers uh, that profound. You see, this was a man, a Jewish man, 2,000 years ago, living under the law, a scribe, which was a learned man of the scriptures, he understood that the sacrificial system was a temporary thing. That next to what Jesus had just said, it, they, it, was, it was nothing. The idea was to love God. The idea was to be obedient to God. And to be waiting upon the Messiah. He has said, it says in, uh, uh, in um, I forget what verse it was now. He has said, the first must be taken away in order to establish the second. That is the plan of God. And, and we must understand that this is very important. Verse 9 is a key verse. He has said, God has made it clear. This is God's plan for creation. This was his, uh, this was what he knew in his mind before that man would have to accomplish and go through all of this pattern. You see, all of this time that we read about in the Bible, the, the days of the, the patriarchs, Adam and Eve, and, and all through the history of the fathers to son and the life, the people that understood they, they knew God, and we had Noah, and the punishment for unbelief and things, all through history, then God brought all these things into men that they would be strengthened, come to accept him, to love him, to be obedient to him, to be waiting in faith for the Messiah that would come to resolve all of their issues. And the issue they had was sin. The sin that they tried to set out with the scapegoat every day, or every year, rather, um, by the high priest... Once for all in Christ Jesus, the only remedy for forgiveness of sins. So we had two systems. The physical system under the law, only temporary until the day of the Lord, which is the parousia. Um, It was a temporary system until Jesus brought to conclusion that first covenant. And from then on, of course, we had a full-grown kingdom, uh, the, new covenant, the new covenant, the full-grown kingdom of God. The blood of Christ on the cross, once for all, had purchased this kingdom and brought it into existence. Although, as we read the, the New Testament, uh, all of that New Testament was written during those years of waiting. Um, was written to the Jews and then... Later on, as, as uh, the Gentiles read also these documents, um, but understanding that it was written to the Jewish people that they would understand their Messiah. So Jesus, the last point here, Jesus in the right hand of the Father. Uh, we're not going to have time to get into 
too much today, but we'll pick it up next week. But <clears throat> verses 12 through 20 is where we're going to be. And let me give you verse 12 here. And he, that is Jesus, for sin, one sacrifice having offered to the end. Remember when we read about the end in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and, and uh, a couple of other places in Matthew 24 and Luke 21? That's the end of the covenant. So, and he for sin, one sacrifice have been offered on the cross to the end, did sit down in the right hand of God. It's not on the right hand. Um, you know, on, even though some will tell you, well, that's just better English. Well, is it? What's on to you? Now, you know, I could say I'm going to sit down on the seat next to someone here in the front pew, and that might make some sense, but on the right hand meant that he was sitting on the right hand of God. It could also mean that, right? Well, we don't have to worry about that because the word's not on, it's in. In. See, these are symbolic things. Jesus, the Son, is in the right hand of God. He's out of God. He came out of God. He came to man. He returned back to his Father and his God. He is in the right hand of God. He is the Lamb of God in uh, Revelation 21. The throne. The Father's on the throne and the Lamb of God is there. The Lamb of God. Then in verse 13, as to the rest, expecting till he may place his enemies as his footstool. We'll pick up there next next week. That's 1 Corinthians 15. You see that idea of uh, the enemies of Christ being uh, under his feet, the footstool of his feet? That's a specific time element. That came to pass. Uh, that doesn't mean that everything's gone. It only means that's a transmission. That tells us where we're at. That tells us where, when the kingdom became the kingdom of God, where we live uh, as, as Christians today. Remember, Jesus came to, to save the lost, to save the lost by his blood sacrifice, and to destroy the works of Satan. That's the Bible. You know, we never talk about the second part. This is a different world. This is a different world than, than the year that Jesus was born. We live in a different world, in a different spiritual circumstances. We live in a better covenant. We need to appreciate it. Because I'm telling you, things were hard in the other one. We are blessed to be in this new covenant. We are blessed to be able to read about it and learn about it and understand it. So I will leave you with that today, praying that we, re, we have opportunity to return to this uh, even next Lord's Day.
and go on in chapter 10. It's, it's a long chapter. It's got lots of many different things within it, uh, as even suggested today in, in our another meditation. Uh, there's a lot here for us to understand. Um, to get a full understanding of the folks before us and our time also, and where we should be, what we should be thinking. So we'll, uh, we'll turn to our song of invitation this morning. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.